0: this is ham college episode 43 for july 31st 2018 ham college is brought to you by icom see how you can make the most out of contest season with icom and by hamstudy.org a great way to study for your next license exam Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And it's just never gets it's, old, does it? I
1: never get tired of saying it. Yeah. I haven't seen any complaints yet, so. Yeah.
0: They're, they're keeping it to themselves. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, of course, good to be back tonight. And of course, we've got some studying to do. Some of the questions are starting to get a little tougher here
1: on the general exam. Yeah, they definitely are. Definitely are. So but I'm, we've uh, managed to scathe by pretty almost uh unblemished. We've got a few buzzes to our to our credit, but yeah. we've done pretty good so far. I'm, surprisingly, because I was really expecting to get buzzed more.
0: Yeah, well I mean I had kinda hoped you would have, but yeah, it just not worked out for Well
1: me. I was wishing the same thing yeah. on you, my friend. <laughs>
0: You know, anytime we're doing a show live, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. amateurlogictv slash chat. That's where you need to go and hang out with all the cool kids in the class.
1: That's where the fun is. Right there.
0: Yep. And they'll be going along with us as we uh, present the questions tonight. They'll be giving us some feedback and answers in here. That's how we always get it right. Is is they're feeding us the answers?
1: It's kind of watching it with one eye. <laughs> I got one eye looking there, one eye looking up here at the questions. Oh, I, had,
0: I hadn't noticed it, but I'll have to.
1: I'll have to keep one eye over there on you. When
0: may the FCC restrict normal frequency operations of amateur stations participating in races? A, when they declare a temporary state of communication emergency.
1: B, when they seize your equipment for use in disaster communications.
0: C, only when all amateur stations are instructed to stop
1: transmitting. Or D, when the President's war emergency powers have been invoked. Hmm. Oh, and I'm supposed to answer this one, aren't I? Yes. Being a dean, this is not my specialty. When the FCC restricts... When may the FCC restrict normal frequency operations of amateur stations participating in races? See, I'm thinking it's either A or D. Hmm. I would agree it's one of those two. You know the answer? I'm not sure. I'm going to try A. (laughs) I'm I'm just honestly really not sure. It's one of those two, I think. Did you hear that sound? Well, there you go. Yep. I shouldn't have jinxed myself at the beginning by saying how good we've done so far. Yeah.
0: Well, and but at least you answered, you know. Well, I wasn't well, alone. No, there was other people saying A. Hey, there was probably about as many A's as there were D's there.
1: That's, that's pretty tough. What frequency should be used to send a distress call? A, whichever frequency has the best chance of communicating the distress message. B, only
0: frequencies authorized for RACES and area stations.
1: C, only frequencies
0: that are within your operating privileges. Or D, only frequencies used by police, fire, or emergency medical services.
1: Well, that's not fair. This is an easy one. You think so? Yeah. The only one of them really makes any sense.
0: That, that's true. There's only one, really, that makes any sense there. You know, when we're talking about emergency...
1: That takes pretty high. Uh, all the priority. rules go, pretty much go out the window. Yep. When it's an emergency, you got to do what you got to do.
0: And the people over in the chat room are getting this one right. They're, they're saying it's A, whichever frequency has the best chance of communicating the distress message. And and naturally, that's the answer there, you know, because an emergency changes everything. Right. When is an amateur station allowed to use any means? At its disposal to assist another station in distress. A. Only when transmitting in
1: races. B. At any time when transmitting in an organized net.
0: C. At any time during an actual emergency.
1: Or D. Only on authorized HF frequencies. Okay, this one, this is another easy one, I think. Uh, it's going to be at any time during an actual emergency. An emergency station allowed to use any means at its disposal. So that, yeah, any, anytime there's an emergency, you just got to do what you got to do. So I think that's the answer. C. Okay,
0: they're they're kind of leaning that way in the chat room. So there you go. C. Totally redeemed yourself. So,
1: yeah, it didn't take away that strike though. <laughs> All right, well, uh, throw me a pitch then. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. We actually have a guest reader.
0: We do. We've never
1: had that before. We haven't. We talked about it. Uh, Actually, uh, the guest reader is actually the first one that suggested it, so we decided to give her the opportunity. Hi, I'm Kelly, KE0EWK. Here's our next question. What is the first thing you should do if you're communicating with another amateur station and hear a station in distress break in? A. Continue your communication because you were on the frequency first. B. Acknowledge the station in distress and determine what assistance may be needed. C. Change to a different frequency. D. Immediately cease all transmissions.
0: Thanks for doing that, Kelly. That's yeah. uh, uh, Kelly and Marty that are in the chat room.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised they're not in there. They're in there almost every time. Uh, the uh, the date changed, or the day of the week changed for this time, this week. may have thrown yeah, them off.
0: That it probably did, because we don't usually shoot on Thursdays like we are this time. So what is the first thing you should do if you're communicating with another amateur station and hear a station in distress break in? Continue your communications because you were on the frequency first. I know there's a lot of folks who would behave that way, but that is... That is not correct at all, and I think everybody realizes that. Uh, B, acknowledge stations in distress and determine what assistance may be needed. That one sounds to me like the best answer, Tommy, but let's see. Change to a different frequency? No. You might should just hang around. They might could use your help if there's an emergency going on. Yep. Uh, D, immediately cease all transmissions. Well... Yeah, I mean, you want to hear them, but you may need to talk back to them and acknowledge that you received the message and that you're going to pass mm-hmm. it on. So I'm going to say it is B, acknowledge the station in distress and determine what assistance may be needed. Yeah, acknowledge yeah, I, them so they'll know that somebody heard it.
1: Right, and I think that D one is kind of assuming that somebody's already getting help. That would be when you would, if you're, somebody's already helping someone else, unless you had some input, you know, then you would definitely want to cease your transmissions. But I agree with you but the answer there.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. You need to let them know that, hey, we hear you and uh, we're here to help. So I'm going to say B, that's what everybody's saying over in the chat room there. And it is, acknowledge station in distress and determine what assistance may be needed. Yep. Thanks for that question, Kelly.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I
0: don't know, we might do the guest reader thing again.
1: Yeah, it's kind we'll of neat. It's kind of neat change. Yeah, have, have someone else ask us
0: the questions.
1: Yeah, it's a good idea, kind of yeah. Jeopardy style.
0: Yeah, because I get tired of you asking me all these questions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you probably do too. So. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, well, let's go on to the next one here. Who may be the control operator of an amateur station transmitting in RACES to assist relief operations during a disaster. A. Only a person holding the FCC-issued amateur operator license. B. Only a RACES net control operator. C. A person holding an FCC-issued amateur operator license or an appropriate government official. Or D. Any control operator when normal communication systems
0: are operational. Well, I don't think it's D because that would just lead to mass chaos there if everything's operational. You wouldn't want everybody uh, talking at the same time. Who might be the control operator over an aventure station transmitting races to assist relief operations during a disaster? Uh, So I don't think it's D. Uh, A, only a person holding an FCC issued license. Or operator license permit. Amateur operator license to say it right. They could be that. B. Only a RACES net control operator. Hmm. Or C. Any person holding an FCC issued amateur radio operators or an appropriate government official. That's kind of tough, Tommy. I think it's either A or B. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Hmm. That's that's a tough call there. I'm going to say, A, only a person holding an FCC-issued amateur operator license.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. The net control.
0: Well, I'm glad you may, did because everybody may, else said it was It big. may
1: be the control operator of an amateur station. The net control operator is just the one uh, kind of uh, overseeing the net. He wouldn't be the only one talking. No? So A is the only one that really kind of makes any sense to me. Ah,
0: so if you're assisting in relief operations during a disaster, yeah, may not. I don't know. People in the chat room are mostly saying it's B, Tommy, so we better just look on this I'm thinking it's A. I'm thinking it's A, too. You know, sometimes that we, we got to stick together, you know, these folks in the chat room over here. They <laughs> almost took us down with that one.
1: Yeah. I think it was a trick. Yeah. It is kind of a tricky question there. Uh-huh. It, yeah, it is. You kind of got to think about the way the question is worded. Yeah. That's yep. okay. a good one.
0: Well, let's try another one. Which of the following must be true before amateur stations may provide communications to broadcasters for dissemination to the public? A. The communications must directly relate to the immediate safety of human life or protection of property, and there must be no other means of communication uh, reasonably available before or at the time of the
1: event? Or B., the communication must be approved by a local emergency preparedness official and conducted on officially designated frequencies.
0: C, the FCC must have declared a state of emergency.
1: Or D, all of these choices are correct. And while, while D seems like it might almost be the answer, I'm thinking it's A. Because I seem to remember this one. The communication must directly relate to the immediate safety of human life or protection of property, and there must be no other means of communication reasonably available. I I think it's A. Yeah. And I I can't really answer exactly why it's A, but I just think I remember that one from when I did my test.
0: Yeah, I kind of remember it too, and being a broadcaster kind of helped reinforce it for me. It is A. Uh, You know, while it seems like it might be a good idea for us to provide communications to be used by a broadcast station on the air, we've pretty much, amateur radio has got to be the last available means to communicate that message before they can actually put you on the air. Because they don't want broadcasters easily using amateur radio and putting stuff on the air. Uh, Just for any reason, you know, at all. So that's why that one's so strict right there. And people in the chat room all knew the answer to this one. They're they're saying it was a... At this point in the show, you've got some explaining to do. I do? Yeah, that's what you had told me.
1: Yeah. Well, we we got a section in here on Skywave this time. Skywave. So that means we're through with these emergency
0: questions then.
1: Is that the whole section? I think so. Oh, that doesn't seem like enough
0: for emergency. It sure doesn't, does it?
1: Nope, but uh, let's move right along here. Okay. So we can turn that air conditioner back on. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, the topic this, this month is on skywave. So in, in Amateur Radio, when you hear the word skywave or skip, we're talking about the propagation of radio waves reflected or refracted back toward Earth from the ionosphere. In general terms, ionosphere is an electrically charged layer of the upper atmosphere. Without this phenomenon, we'd be limited to how far we we can communicate due to the curvature of the Earth. Since uh, radio is pretty much line of sight anyway, we can use sky wave propagation to communicate beyond the horizon for really long distances. This would be accomplished on our HF bands. Most long-distance, high-frequency radio communications are between 3 and 30 megahertz as a result of SkyWave propagation. Since the early 1920s, amateur radio operators that are limited lower power than broadcast stations have taken advantage of SkyWave for long-distance or DX communications. So what makes SkyWave possible? The Earth's atmosphere is made up of several different layers The ionosphere is a region of the upper atmosphere from about 50 to 600 miles in altitude, where neutral air is ionized by solar photons and cosmic rays. Sounds like some kind of superhero stuff, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Hams are primarily interested in the layers of the ionosphere and its regions D, E, and F. Because the sun affects the density of the ionosphere, it's at its maximum height when the sun is directly overhead and the, the rays are coming straight down to the earth. This causes the F region to become thicker and it becomes uh, two regions, actually. It'd be F1 and F2. The F2 region is the one responsible for the longest distance communications because it's the highest. That yep. makes sense. Yeah. Single hop distances up to 2,500 miles can be achieved with the right conditions. When HF signals enter the ionosphere at any angle, they're backscattered from that ionized layer as scatter waves. If the mid-layer ionization is strong enough compared to the signal frequency, a scatter wave connects at the bottom of the layer earthwards as if reflected from a mirror. Earth's surface then reflects the incoming wave back towards the ionosphere. This can be against the ground or water. The signal can effectively bounce or skip between the Earth in the ionosphere two or more times, this is multi-hop propagation. This one enables us to communicate with other hams all the way around the world. So this makes me think that, um, and, and thanks for that lesson there, Dean. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. It, it seems Even to if make I got me tongue-tied. think that we're going
0: to be having some questions here on Skywalk. That's a tonight. good
1: chance that could happen.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we um, take a quick 90-second break here get a message from ICOM and turn on that air conditioner and hope the compressor will even kick in in
1: 90 (laughs) seconds.
0: seconds. So uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. See how you can make the most out of contest season with these transceivers. The competitive edge you've been looking for, raise the bar and hear what others cannot with this flagship HF 50MHz transceiver, the IC7851. Reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear local oscillator design, spectrum scope, dual receivers, and digital voice recorder. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants and just in time for contesting season. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 RMDR, independent dual receiver, dual digicell. IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. It's
1: time to give away a nice ICOM ball cap. And an ICOM Ham Crew T-shirt, like you've seen on here before. So I hope you sent your name in to be in the drawing.
0: Ham College at AmateurLogic.TV. You just sent
1: us an email there. Yep. You don't, you don't have to have a call sign. All you've got to have is a name and an email address. Pretty much. And this month's winner,
0: and he didn't give us uh, any message, but he did have a name and a call sign. That's, that's all you need uh it is lynn kd8 ioj
1: yeah congratulations lynn
0: and i'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because i'm sure i would get it wrong but uh lynn uh
1: thanks for sending us an email there yeah you uh you'll be hearing from icom really soon and uh they'll have yours to you before you know it they've been pretty fast about sending that stuff out they sure have yeah Uh, and There'll be more in the box besides just the
0: T-shirt and the hat. Oh, yeah. Jesse always yeah. stuffs a little extra stuff in there. Yeah,
1: they got some neat swag. So should have a lot of cool stuff in there. Anyway, thanks for entering. And then uh, you guys get your name sent in for next time. Let's see what we got
0: next here. Why don't you ask me one?
1: Where on earth do ionospheric layers reach their maximum height? A, where the sun is overhead.
0: B, where the sun is on the opposite side of the earth. C, where the sun is rising. Or D, where the sun has just set. I think it's where the sun is overhead, Tommy. Where on
1: earth would you got an ocean like that?
0: Um. See what I did there? See all the I down. see what you did. I'm just trying to come up with a crack and <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's coming to me. Except I put the good eye down on the chat room here, and they're saying it's A. So that that's what I'm going with, Tommy. I, mean, I think it's when the sun is overhead. Those layers combine at night. We have more layers during the day, so I'm thinking, yeah, there's, there's probably higher layers during the day. Mm-hmm. But let, let's see. And I looked out on that one. Why is the F2 region mainly responsible for the longest-distance radio wave? Propagation. Is it A because it's the densest ionospheric layer?
1: B because it does not absorb radio waves as much as the other ionospheric regions. C because it's the highest ionospheric region. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Uh, Oh, it's my turn? Yeah. Well, I just told you the answer C because it's the highest ionospheric region but um
0: they're not saying that in the chat room well they were they sleeping should. too. they
1: didn't they slept through the lesson <laughs> don't make me have to read it all over again <laughs> no please don't <laughs> don't
0: make him do that
1: um the high the highest one if you're going to bounce something if it's low like this it's coming at an angle it's going to go only so far mm-hmm. but if you go right here you got a lot more room. True. To get to farther angles. And that I'm sticking makes sense to, to that. Me. So you're saying it's I'm saying it is C Charlie because it is the highest ionospheric region. I'm gonna agree with you.
0: It is the highest ionospheric region.
1: Yeah, you're gonna to have to stay after class, do a book report on that mm-hmm. an essay. <laughs> All right. What is the approximate maximum distance along the Earth's surface that is normally covered in one hop using the F2 region? A. 180 miles. B. 1200 miles. C. 2500
0: miles. Or D. 12,000 <clears> miles. Hmm. What is the approximate maximum distance along the Earth's surface? is normally covered in one hop using the f2 layer now that's the highest layer
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we're talking about going one hop so you know it's way more than 180 miles i know Mm -hmm. um and i don't think it's 12,000 miles that's an awful long ways for one bounce yeah that's very far i'm gonna say 2500 miles See, that's, that's what most of them are saying over in the chat room. Uh, yeah, 12,000 miles would be like, uh, you live on a very large planet, Jeff. Let, let's see, it is C,
1: you, know, that.
0: miles. you know, that's all the sky wave
1: questions we've got. Really, yeah, time to get down to the electronics Then,
0: yeah, I think we're gonna uh, get on to the electrons. We do have a few questions there. We're gonna be back on antennas tonight. Oh, cool. That's a fun topic. But I think this would be a good time to uh, get a message from Ham Study. Let them tell you a good way to study. And maybe we'll have... um, Some air conditioning? Yeah, and a little recess in here while we're doing that. Sounds good. We'll be right back. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stufflebeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE. And it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive matter. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. This Christmas Tandy has a very special offer, a
1: family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia.
0: Cars do it. Even trucks do it. Now you can do it. A real wheelie with wheelie bar. A wheelie bar just like the big dragsters use. Wheelie Bar is a precision-engineered permanent accessory made by Whammo for bikes like Stingray, Wildcat, and Spider. It's made out of hardened, chrome-plated steel to take a real beating when you do a wheelie, or lay a strip of rubber like this. But Wheelie Bar isn't just for track. it's for exhibition riding, too. So see
1: who can do the most tricks, see who can go the farthest. see who can have the most fun. Remember, you can't do a real wheelie without a Wheelie Bar. And
0: only Wamo makes Wheelie Bar!
1: More fun from Wammo. So go with the big ones with Wheelie Bar! Sold wherever bikes are sold! I am keeping up with the Commodore Cause the Commodore is keeping up with you In a world of fun and fantasy And ever-changing views And computer the door the commercial makes you want to go buy a commodore 64 me too yeah i had one of the color computers that were on the first part of it but that was 128k when well, that must have been the coco three i had yeah. a two that only had 64k but you can only really use thirty-two k of it unless you use peaks and pokes and stuff. Peaks and pokes for fun though.
0: Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, I had the. I
0: never had a color computer. I had a Commodore sixty-four. I've still
1: got some software I wrote for the color computer, still on one hundred and sixty k floppy disks, really? five and a half inch, five and a quarter inch mm-hmm. floppies, single sided floppies. Wow.
0: I don't know if I've still got any of my Commodore software or not. I probably don't.
1: I'd probably never find anything to read them. No.
0: Probably not. You might on eBay.
1: Maybe. Hmm. Anyway, that was fun days, man. That was like Blazing the New Trail back then. Oh, man, yeah, it was. Bleeding Edge. Yeah.
0: A lot of fun. Well, speaking of a lot of fun, I've got to talk about Yagi antennas now. Oh, that's a fun topic. That is. I think we mentioned it in the last episode, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk a little more about it, how the thing actually works. Yep. Yeah. So first... I
1: didn't bring the tape measure. You didn't. No.
0: But I've got some arrows and charts and drawings here. We'll try those. That's good enough. We're going to talk about a Yagi antenna here that's a four-element If you look right there, that green line, if you're watching in black and white, now this is not going to really help, but the green line there with an E beside it, that's the driven element. We're going to put our RF energy right there on that element.
1: If somebody's watching it in black and white, they're using one of those color computers with old black and white TV. That would do it. Either that or green or amber. I had an amber
0: monitor one
1: time. Yeah, well, I ran mine off a TV for a long time.
0: I did for a little while. It didn't last too long because the TV I had, the picture tube was going bad in and I couldn't really read the text. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at the bottom of those four elements there, the bottom one's a reflector. You can Mm -hmm. see that's a little bit longer than the driven element. Yeah. And then we got two directors on there, D1 and D2.
1: Just like at my job.
0: And you see I've got the the arrow drawn on there that's pointing the direction that the signals are gonna go off of this antenna right here. We're only putting RF into the driven element right there. You can see that the waves are combining and going in the direction of the arrow there. Each of those elements are parasitic, uh, the D1, D2, and the reflector. And they're resonators, and they're absorbing and re-radiating the waves and you can see in the direction of the directors there, those waves are adding together and sending out a strong signal. But on the bottom side there, the reflectors, the waves are out of phase with each other, and so they're counseling each other. Kind of a neat representation of it. I found that on Wikipedia.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: The waves of the d- various elements there are combining and putting a stronger wave in the directions of the director. You can see they're out of phase with each other on the reflector, so your signal's not going to go as far in that direction. The parasitic elements are all resonant, and they're re-radiating that signal at a different phase, depending on their spacing and their length. And that's how the Yagi antenna works. So each one of those elements is radiating some signal, although only the driven element is actually being hmm. being fed the RF.
1: Right. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, pal. or... Uh... That concept, principle, I guess, and mm-hmm. how the thing works—pretty amazing.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that because
1: I've got a question for you here. Uh-oh. Yeah, can I? Have, need... Can you put the picture back up? No, that won't help you on this one. Okay, well go ahead and hit me anyway.
0: How does increasing boom length and adding directors affect a Yagi antenna? A, gain increases. B,
1: beam width increases. C, front to back ratio decreases. Or D, front to side ratio decreases. I was increasing the boom length and adding directors. So we're making, essentially, we're making it longer. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to increase the gain. A,
0: Well, the one answer we've got in the chat room said it. Well, and we've got two answers now in there. Said it was A. Yeah,
1: because I know typically the longer Yaggies have a lot higher gain than the shorter ones. It's more.
0: Mm -hmm. Longer boom, so there's more directors on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not agree with you.
1: It probably actually narrows the beam width also, I would imagine. But that isn't one of your choices. No, it's not.
0: So I'm going to say, yeah gain increases there you go left out yep did on that one
1: yeah so why <laughs> <one eye. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> okay well, what have we got next what does the front to back ratio mean in reference to a yagi antenna a the number of directors versus the number of reflectors
0: B, the relative position of the driven element with respect to the reflectors and directors.
1: C, the power radiated in the major direction lobe compared to the power radiated in exactly the opposite direction.
0: D, the ratio of forward gain to dipole gain. Hmm. What does front-to-back ratio mean in reference to a Yagi antenna? The ratio of forward gain to dipole gain, no, that's not it. That would be uh, the gain of the antenna, but that's really not the front-to-back ratio. Uh, A, the number of directors versus the number of reflectors, that's not the front-to-back ratio. B, the relative position of the driven element with respect, now that's not it. C, the power radiated in the major radiation lobe compared to the power radiated in exactly the opposite direction that sounds like front to back to me i'm going to say it's c and my good eye looking at the chat room over here says yeah it is c would you concur
1: i concur there we go
0: wait we have a quorum
1: i see Mm -hmm.
0: What is meant by the main lobe of a directive antenna? A, the magnitude of the maximum vertical angle of radiation. B, the point of maximum current in a radiating antenna element. C, the maximum voltage standing wave point on a radiating element. Or D, the
1: direction of maximum radiated field strength from the antenna. Main lobe. I think this answer is going to be D. The direction of the maximum radiated field strength from the antenna. So... And the reason I say that is because I only saw the... Well, I mean, it makes sense to me, but still, the radiated field strength... When you see the antenna pattern in a modeling program, the way the... Like, if your antenna's here... It's directional when you've got lobes on it. Mm-hmm. When the when you see the pattern that it's making, and those referred to as lobes. So the maximum radiated field strength would be the longest one, the main one, the main one, yeah. the main, main, main most lobe, main most one. <laughs> I, I'd have to. That's got to be the answer yeah. D.
0: Everybody's saying D over in the chat room there, and
1: uh, hey, everybody got that one right too. Which of the following? is a Yagi antenna design variable that could be adjusted to optimize forward gain, front to back ratio, or SWR bandwidth. A, the physical length of the boom. B, the number of elements on the boom. C, the spacing of each element along the boom. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Which of the following
0: in a Yagi antenna design variable could be adjusted to optimize forward gain, front to back ratio, or SWR bandwidth. The physical length of the boom. Hmm. I wouldn't normally say that because you know there's no gain from the length of the boom. But let's see. B the number of elements on the boom. I know that directly has an effect on those, mm-hmm. on all those parameters. C, the spacing of each element along the boom. I know that's true, too, that that's going to have some effect on all of those. Mm-hmm. So I know B and C are both true, and I was in question about A, but A must be true as well. I'm going to say it's D. All of these choices are correct. Just because I know at least two of them are. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I agree with you. I think they're all, all uh, A, B, and C are, are right answers. So D is your choice. There we go. It is D. Nice job.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get the physical length of the boom. But I guess because that will allow you to. To, For the spacing, yeah, do the spacing and the number of elements. So I guess that's that's how they uh, they figure that.
1: Well, I, I guess if you had a a boom that was twice as long as you had the antennas, the uh, elements spaced, it probably would might not matter. I, I at least not much. You
0: know. I don't know. Which of the following would increase the bandwidth of a Yagi antenna? a larger diameter element
1: b closer element
0: spacing c loading coils in series with the element
1: or d tapered diameter elements hmm the bandwidth yep okay so i know from experience that's that's got to be a larger diameter elements um, from some of, from the antenna building stuff I played around with when I first got my, uh, antenna. Because when you would make a J-pole, if you made it with, uh, 3-8 copper, you didn't have the bandwidth you did if you made it with 5-8 copper. Yeah. Because uh, the skin effect, I think, is what's in play there. Wouldn't that be right?
0: Uh... Yeah, I guess this can affect... <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I'm just going to say, yeah, you're right. Larger diameter is more bandwidth. Right. And uh, we got a little disagreement. Oh Is there the a scuffle going on there? in there? Yeah, well, not a major one. <laughs> okay. It's two A's ganging up on a D in there. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say it's A, though.
1: Yeah, it's got to be A, larger diameter elements. I, I do remember that.
0: Yeah. That,
1: that, in closer it. element spacing, I don't think you should have nothing to do with the bandwidth.
0: Well, I know putting in loading, coil in the loading and coils. Loading
1: like that. coils, that's going to basically increase in the length of it Yeah. for the uh, lower frequencies. See what you can do with this one. What is the purpose of a gamma match used with Yagi antennas? A, to match the relatively low feed point impedance to 50 ohms.
0: B, to match the relatively high feed point impedance to 50 ohms.
1: C, to increase the front to back ratio.
0: Or D, to increase the main lobe gain. What's the purpose of a gamma match used with a Yagi antenna? Well, I know it's not used to, to... change the front-to-back ratio or uh, increase a lobe i I know Mm -hmm. that the uh, gamma match is used for matching the impedance um
1: yeah and i
0: believe that a yagi antenna without a gamma match would have a relatively low feed point impedance i don't think it would be high so i'm going to say it's a to match a relatively low feed point impedance. So how would
1: how ounce. would you know it's low? Mm
0: You could measure it.
1: <laughs> That's not what you
0: were looking for. That's not what I was it.
1: looking for. I was um, looking for some way to reason the rest of it out. And I, I don't know I don't know why. I think the answer is a, but I myself, but I, I don't know why it would well, be low. I think
0: if you've got a bunch of elements and you're sticking them close together. They're naturally going to have an effect on each other, impedance-wise. I think it's it's going to bring that impedance down. Just I, I know why I think, but I, I hesitate to say because I could be wrong, and I don't want to mislead a lot of folks.
1: You get a lot of hate mail. I could if it's wrong,
0: but <laughs> I I believe it is. Uh, uh, you know, Yagi's got a pretty low impedance. Because the antenna is kind of short, and you're putting all this other metal around it. I think it's bringing the impedance down, so that uh, gamma match is going to increase it to 50 ohms. And another way I know that is because the folks in the chat room are saying A. Well, there you go. Some are saying B. Well, let's find out. Well. It is A. All right. One final question for tonight. And I I bet you can guess what the subject is going to be.
1: It's probably going to be about gamma matches and Yagi antennas. I don't know if it's
0: about gamma matches, but I do think you're right about the Yagi antenna part.
1: It is gamma match.
0: Oh, yeah. Which of the following is the advantage of using a gamma match for impedance matching of a Yagi antenna to a 50-ohm coax line? A. It does not require that the elements be insulated from the boom.
1: B, it does not require any inductors or capacitors. C, it is useful for
0: matching multiband antennas. Or D, all of these choices
1: are correct. Hmm, that's a tough one. Yeah, I don't, I, right offhand, I don't know the answer to this one. So, it does not require, which of the following is an advantage of using the gamma match for impedance matching? Of a Yagi to 50 ohms. It doesn't require that the elements be insulated from the boom. This is probably like watching paint dry, sitting here looking at me trying to I'm, figure this out. I'm
0: hearing the Jeopardy thing going in my head. Yeah.
1: Over here. It's not C, no, it's not D, I don't think. It's does not require any inductors or capacitors. I think the answer is A, but I don't know why. Because I, I think it's A because I don't think it's B, C, or D.
0: Well, I can see your logic there.
1: Seriously? Well, if uh, it's not B, C, or D, I, that's then it has the best to be I, That's the best I can do, man. I just don't think it's B, C, or D. Well, so let me I'm just, thinking it must be A by process of elimination. Well, let me just but say. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me either, though. Every one of those options has been
0: explored in the chat room over there. Oh yeah,
1: and this one time I didn't look in there either, so.
0: I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure it's not D. No. But I'm kind of tied between A and B though. I don't think it's, I'm pretty sure it's not C. So it's either A or B. I'm gonna go with A. I don't recall ever seeing inductors or capacitors on a gamma match. However, a gamma match is probably going well, to you know put what? some That's inductance right. to it, I isn't it? I did
1: not. The, when I built mine, I used a hairpin.
0: I think but that it was, was a gamma match. Right. Uh, yeah,
1: it's basically a piece of Romax I bent. Yeah. And there were, no conduct, the, you, no, there were no capacitors. Are you wanting to change your, conductors. your answer? No, I'm going to stick with it. I'll just go ahead and get buzzed twice because that was my first hunch. And you said it was. I think it's. I, a, yeah. I don't really don't I I'll agree with does you. Does not require any inductors or capacitors. Let's just go with it.
0: It's a that was a toughie.
1: Yeah, it's a toughie. I'm gonna have to look that up too, because I honestly don't really know why that's the answer. Well, I do know it's, that on a Yagi
0: the the It does uh, not
1: require to be insulated from the boom.
0: Well, if you think about it, the elements are attached right to the boom. They're not sitting on insulators. There.
1: Well, mine, mine, was. Mine's on PVC. Well, that's true. So that's what I was going by. Yeah.
0: Well, I was thinking about a traditional. I've never, top. I've
1: never really actually had one. Well, then you need to change your answer. <laughs> I'm not changing it now.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that was a, really a tough one there because uh, we did get a few folks say AA, but we did have a lot of different answers. You know,
1: this has you been... Know, well, I guess it is because it's basically the same thing as a television antenna. And they're mounted mm-hmm. right to the boom. Yeah. So, yeah. These have been
0: tougher questions tonight based on the answers we're seeing in the chat room because there were not a tremendous number of answers and the the ones that were answered, people were generally saying different ones. So this this
1: was yeah. a Yeah, tough it was kinda of tough tonight. night. Yeah. Well that's all I'm the exhausted. I've worked up a sweat. Or it could be that because it's hot in here. I have too. And
0: your shirt there, it's it's probably about to get wet. How do you like
1: this for <laughs> a transition?
0: if you need another shirt
1: yeah you Boy, could go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get uh, all kinds of cool looking shirts caps too ball mm-hmm. caps uh jackets sweatshirts you probably don't want to wear a sweatshirt this week
0: no, i think i'd wait at least another week <laughs> Yeah, but you can get your Amateur Logic swag and your Ham College swag both. At the same, at the same place, place.
1: Amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com
0: A couple of things we do want to mention before we go here. And number one is our social media networks. You know, just today it was announced that Facebook had lost a lot of value. Did you hear that?
1: I didn't know they had any value. Well, apparently
0: they did, and I think they lost, what, 30%? Really? Uh, Of the value today, so they they need
1: they need your support.
0: Yeah, they need you to come. That's
1: actually that group right there is probably the best thing on Facebook, if you ask me. Well, it is because I've yeah, it is. um,
0: It's a good group of folks in there. It is. Facebook.com/slash/group/slash/amateurlogic.tv. There is also uh, Facebook.com/slash/group/slash ham college sure is and you can visit either one of those but to be honest there's more activity in the amateur logic
1: yeah it, it there is there. and uh, it's it's uh, it's it is a good group because there's a lot of stuff going on in there even when we're busy and, and can't get on there as much as i've been able to get on there very much lately. there's always still something going on the community mm-hmm. kind of just kind of keeps it going helps one another and, and we're in there too when we can
0: yeah but it's a good place we've also got a uh, google plus community that's at the address shown right there on the screen and we also do an occasional tweet or two where can you uh
1: at, you can find those on twitter
0: <laughs> who would you follow how would you at, get that amateur
1: <laughs> at amateur logic and uh, at ham college okay
0: yeah, well, I guess that makes that clear.
1: Yep. Clear it right up.
0: And if you want to know something about one of the episodes, what we had maybe talked
1: about or what was going on,
0: where you know, would you go? You know,
1: the, a really good place to go find that stuff is at the wiki, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Mm-hmm. And you can find information on Ham College and Amateur Logic. You right? sure can. And our f- friend uh, N9LBS, N9 Dan, Mm -hmm. Keeps that up for us. I really appreciate his hard work on that. He's been doing that for us for a long time. He has.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight there, Dean. Dino.
1: Yeah. Let's uh, turn the air conditioner on here pretty soon. I think
0: that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for joining us
0: tonight. Uh, Tough questions. I think everybody um, would agree on that. I don't know that they're going to get any easier as we go on.
1: But for those of you who like to hear the buzzer, you're welcome. Yep. <laughs>
0: thanks thanks to you for that. <laughs> All right. 7-3, everyone. Thanks for being here. And we will see you around the end of next month for the Next Time College and the Next Amateur Logic.
1: Be, yep. That'll be coming up pretty soon. Around the
0: 15th. Around the, the, yeah, around the 15th. The well,
1: We're going to probably have to shoot this one a tad earlier. Well, we we generally do. but Well a tad earlier than we generally do. We'll see. Okay. All right. 73, 73, everybody. When the sun is over But the answer was actually in the lesson about five minutes ago. Well, it was, but I wasn't paying you attention. You weren't paying attention? I was <laughs> no,
0: sleeping through
1: class. <laughs> B, because it does not absorb radio waves as much as the other ionospheric regions. That's a tough one, man.
0: And it is uh, C, because... It is a highest honest pheric reason.